You are listening to Sonic Symbolism, where Björk discusses the textures, tempos, and the emotional landscapes of her albums. This is episode six, Volta. One of the most wonderful experiences I've had is sailing for days and then enter the harbor of, for example, Malta or Tunisia and come from the outside and and you see just the lights or whatever and then you come in and you enter civilization from this other point of view. Mm-hmm. I had been breastfeeding inside the bubble for a while and I was ready to go out into the world and be extroverts and be activists and fight for what I believed in. I think the most important thing for me though was to write the songs on the boat, mm-hmm. to wake up and to have the ocean waves and the freedom of not belonging to a country. And mm-hmm. I think if there is a theme on Volta, one of it is fuck nationalism. The words that describe Volta are justice, fire. Anthropology, wonderlust. Activist Brass. Feminist. What's the lesson of two evils? If she kills them or dies in vain. Red. Neon green. Electric blue. Unless she Tribes, flags, trumpets.
Tribal Beach, bombastic. Declare independence. Don't let them do that to you. Make your own flag. Make your own flag. Raise your flag. Raise your flag. Raise your flag. Raise your flag. Volta. The word has its origins in the fact of turning, a river finding its way over obstacles to the sea. In Italian, the word signifies a moment, often when one becomes something else. Björk's sixth album, Volta, was released in 2007. When she began writing it, she was living in New York, but that would soon change. She got herself a boat and sailed with her family across oceans, where she could also work and even record songs if she was in the mood. I remember once I was sailing with her and suddenly heard the singing, and I saw dolphins all around. I thought this would be one try of many, like an exercise, but this recording then made it to the album. This was at a time when USA was taking a radical turn away from the dream of democracy. Landing the boat here and there, it was like seeing those changes from an ever new perspective. I didn't want to live in New York, and it was like a promise that we were not going to live there, and we were going to wait until the baby was born. And now I was like, okay, I've, I've Let's leave, you know. Mm-hmm. I was not particularly fond of US of A and mm. Bush and 9-11 and everything. So there was a compromise where we bought the boat and we decided to sail the world and that basically our home would be on the boat. That was kind of like how we could live in Brooklyn but still not be stuck in New York. We picked up the boat in uh, Macedonia and then sailed it to Malta and Tunisia and across the Atlantic and all the way up. We would always in the wintertime go and sail around, mostly in the Caribbean. And I've put up a studio on the boat. So that's kind of why the album has all these ship flutes and water sounds between the songs, because it's, it's basically like a journey. It sort of matched very much my sort of sense of identity, a global kind of identity. And also once when you have found mm-hmm. your nest and you found your heart and you found a baby and you found everything you want, you still get restless. For me, the heart of this album lyrically is wanderlust. And it's basically like, okay, I've been at home now for five years. I need to get out and see the world. I am leaving this harbor, giving urban 
you're leaving, leaving the urban, and you're also leaving the system somehow, you like leaving God, the people that are somehow believing in God and so on. Could, could you a little bit explain that? What, what has God <laughs> to do with that? Like, yeah, I think that was my strange one sentence I managed to put in the whole album. Well, basically, I'm dealing with eight years of US Bush, half of USA is the Trumpists, basically and just getting to know this nation for the first time and kind of like having really problematic relationship with, you know, the mass murders there and the school shootings and just this whole thing. I have lost my origin And I don't want to find it again Maybe it was easy with Medulla to have a identity in the world because the GPS your heart was set on was your one meter radius around you. It was just your baby and you. That's my home. But then the baby goes bigger and wants to go to kindergarten and do stuff. And then you're like, okay, where is my compass? Wanderlust has a really interesting horn arrangement and it's really driving the song. Can you explain the arrangements for Wanderlust a bit for us? Yes, I was trying to make an arrangement which was discordant, so it was kind of more like ship horns, how they are not in tune. I like ship horns when they are together and they are kind of atonal. They kind of clash. And I kind of like the ugliness of that. It was like you happened to be in this harbor and then the ship horns would blow and then that would kind of become a song. They have a physicality, so each note is kind of huge. So you have very few notes, so it's more about a rhythm. And then in the end of the song, it becomes a Morse code rhythm that they are sending each other. So it, it is very maritime, very ocean themed. It's very interesting for me to look back at these lyrics now. Like half of the album's lyrics are very much about visceral self-discovery after childbirth and claiming your body back and almost doing these kind of shamanistic personal rituals to get your power back. Mm -hmm. It's basically like a very extreme yoga class <laughs> where I'm basically 
chanting myself back into like, here are my fingers, here's my blood, here's my, you know, vertebrae by vertebrae. Kind of like a, a cheerleader to myself. Like, come on, you can go back out in the world with a flag and a trumpet, like a statement. It's not the sexualized woman or the romantic woman or the mother, but the sort of androgen activist woman who just wears red and neon green and electric blue. It seems like Björk is in Volta questioning the social situation of mothers when they are willing to be both mothers and professionals, uh, stepping out from the homes after giving birth to children and raising them up and like wanting to take the first steps again in their professional lives. I remember Björk was trying to figure out some structure that would help them take those steps. I don't believe that nature made us women gonna have babies and then that's it. <laughs> I really believe in if we protect the structures around us, that they are organic. You know, like if it's the ocean or if it's a boat or if it's um, like freedom of, for example, being able to hire a babysitter or simple functional things like this. And there are melodies that I think I could have only written breastfeeding on medulla. But then Volta was returning to the world and then maybe the world of politics and not liking it. <laughs> and therefore wanting to make my own politics, which is apolitical. It's not about a party and it's not about a city or a nation. It's outside nationalism, outside cities, outside Western civilization. So for me, the freedom of melody writing was very much connected with this. You're also claiming a space or a place somehow that can be, in a way, political, but very private at the same time. You mean declare independence, you can read it really as something very personal, that you are like addressing a woman, even a woman that has been in a relationship that, where there has been violence. I mean, mm -hmm. you could you can read it that way somehow. Like, I intended it like that too. Yeah, somehow yeah. You, you can really hear it that way, but you can also hear it like, as an encouragement for Greenland or Iceland or Faroe Islands or, or yeah. Tibet. And it was a little bit understood that way at that time, like really political.
So there is this urge to find a new relationship to our bodies and new relationship to our political, like claim our political power anew. Yeah, totally. And I think it was maybe I was like, because I was having this dilemma, like where am I going to live? And in the end I just said, okay, I'm going to put my flag and my stamp on a boat, you know, that's my home. So there is definitely like reaching out to the world, but wanting not the old system of, of nations, mm -hmm. but wanting like the tribe of humans. And the beats really show that. Like a lot of the beats are like tribal. And when I say tribal, I don't mean just African. I mean tribal as in more in a universal way. Like tribal can be everywhere, Icelandic, Norwegian, Korean, anything. When me and my friends who are obsessed with especially electronic music, <laughs> we use the word tribal. It's not at all about like world music or Africa. No. It's more about the mood, you know, that how you dance to it, maybe. That it is almost like a cathartic kind of... I need to find better words for it. It's like a shamanist, like to this, like ceremonial. So what about the anthropology, like, were you like reading anthropology, like, how come at that time? Yeah, I think when I was in, uh, as a teenager in school, I really was running away from all things like psychology and history and sociology and all these um, things that uh, we call in Iceland the kjaftafug. <laughs> and I think I was so obsessed with sounds that I think I was just stuck in like physics and maths and not in the human sciences yet. And I think after doing five albums on album six, I was ready for the subject finally, <laughs> I think. And, but of course I had to do it in my kind of eccentric uncle on it. Also the lyrics, it's after being five years at home, very happy, but kind of very protected in a cave and coming out of it and reading a lot of books about sociology or how we should uh, work as nations and as tribes. I think my biggest growth was especially with melodies, like the melody in Hope, I'm very pleased with. The freedom of living outside 
not having to connect with Western civilization or the idea of the Western city. And I was coming to whatever islands we were in, Lampedusa or Guatemala, I would hike a lot and put a lot of work into the melodies and try to make them grow. So this was something that I think my main sort of passion was in at the moment and maybe following, yeah, my body in a way. If a suicide about the text in the song Hope, unfortunately it feels relevant still today after the new abortion laws in USA. And at the time it was strong, it was really political, but the text needs a little bit of an explanation. Yeah, I think the world at that time, there was like this kind of terrorism becoming like the major agenda in all the news everywhere. But I think it's actually interesting. The lyric in Hope is actually based on a news thing I saw. They spent two days on, there was a, a suicide bomber who was pregnant. And they were not talking about her, like what was her cause? What was her idealism? What was the reason why she did this or, or anything? There was no understanding like this. The whole thing was about her pregnancy. They couldn't tell because she had exploded if she was pregnant for real, or if she had faked her pregnancy with a fake bump. And then that kind of made the news rep- male news reporter even more angry because then she was using this sacred icon of the pregnant woman and somehow fooling the supermarket or whatever where she, she came. And I was like so appalled by the how it all was made almost like like shaming her for using her motherhood and being rebellious somehow. And somehow for me, the pregnancy had nothing to do with it. You know, it was kind of like not related to it in a way. And they were just basically trying to go into the remains and trying to find if there was a leftover of a fake pregnancy bump. And it was like, what, you've totally lost the point here, you know. And I think I wasn't so aware of it at the time, but now when looking back at it, this song is very much about how, if you are a mother and you want to go out into the world and be active, how will the world perceive it, you know? A male uh, news reporter cannot fathom that a woman has a cause and the fact that she's a mother or not a mother, it, that should not be made into the issue, you know? Here's my version of it, internal violence. I have fostered since childhood. Well, I don't Also, what's important is that the song is very, very gentle. So I think also I was putting together very 
aggressive song and a very sweet lyric or put a, a very this is like one of the sweetest songs it's basically like sugar on the album and then putting very aggressive words to it which i like very much the melody is almost like you are just you're speculating you know it's not like declaring dependence yeah, yeah, yeah. where you have the lyric and the song is both confrontational it's more the song is like really really like sweet like honey and also I got too many diabate to play on it. And I sang it in like Mali in Africa. Maybe also it is looking at the Western news from, you know, Mali point of view, just like, wow, these guys don't understand anything, you know and really just deciding it's sad, but it's not gonna change my mission, sense of mission. So I think it's less about the violence of her exploding herself, because obviously I don't identify with that. Maybe also it was difficult to be in New York during the Twin Towers and the Bush years became such a anti-Muslim area, yeah. even with left liberals. Guests on this album was Anoni and Tumani Diabate from Mali. And there was also, I worked with Timbaland, a hip hop producer, and the pipa, Chinese pipa player. So I was trying to conjure up this atmosphere on the album like it was a travel album. You know, kind of like when you read books and they're like hiking books, sorry, or, you know, when you read books and people are going, traveling around the world. So it's sort of, it's like a journey. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, like you're saying, it's not about what you find. It's sort of more about this kind of big question mark, maybe. There are two tracks from Vosta that you do with Anoni. One is My Juvenile, and the other is Dull Flame of Desire. Anoni's unique voice, and then your voice, seems to be a perfect match. I think Dull Flame of Desire is one of the great songs, and one of the most memorable songs written during this period in your career. What is the story behind that track? Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I think I was very just thinking about the structure of melodies and the sort of sculpture of timeless melodies. There seems to be one song per album where the melody for me is so strong that I'm so interested in building the structure of it and living with it when it's rolling in my head day in and day out that I actually want to take the lyric from somewhere else. I don't want to put my personal experience on it. And that sort of gives me a little bit freedom, in a strange way, to work with it. And I had been watching Stolker with Tarkovsky, and this poem came at the end of the film. And that just fitted this melody very well. It's kind of decadent, almost a sort of erotic mood.
When Anoni came to Jamaica, we spent a couple of days just singing all day, and we would just improvise, just literally standing next to each other, singing for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and just like opening each other up, almost like a tool, using the breath and the voice just as a tool to open yourself up and go back to the, the place of of an open heart. other like me maybe more opening up Anoni because she's very urban or was very urban and me kind of taking her to the beach and we were jumping in waterfalls together and she like being like whoa like never really doing things like that and you know she had started to think about the future feminist project at that time and her effect on me was just just as strong if not stronger to be strong, to be in that sort of energy and have confidence in it or, or feel like it has uh, strength and experience the strength it has in itself without the harness or the restriction of the music industry studio or, or city or all the sort of rules. Looking back on it now, especially, it was part of this kind of whole getting over motherhood and claiming my body back. So this kind of like existential kind of exorcism or something to kind of catharsis. And also for her, because she was not as much of a nature person. So this album also has that like, you know, come on, let's live a, a lifestyle in nature, you know. That's also very much a sub-theme in this album. I'm curious about the visual aesthetics of this album. On the cover you're wearing a big, brightly colored suit with big feet. It's like the ultimate queer queen puppet in the show, originating maybe not in one culture, but many at a time. And on the Voltaic tour, you wore lots of brightly colored dresses. Where did those come from? I contacted two groups of people, Bernard Willem, who did all the dresses, and he did the big plastic sculpture that I was inside. And then I also contacted the Icelandic Love Corporation. I went to them and I said, I want to make a character who is modern, who is an, a shaman archetype, but she has is uh, domestic and she is crocheted. She's like DIY, you know, in that sense, but still is kind of like plucked in a very earthy way with her feet back to, 
you know, the matriarchy, like before the patriarchy. So it sort of has connection to the goddess and, and I was reading books like that as, at the time as well, for the first time maybe. But taking it into 21st century and maybe the, the neon colors were a little bit that. Yeah, so I, I wanted to create this character, this tribal character. Yeah, like very, not sensual, more bombastic. I think one of the main musical sides of Volta are your brass arrangements. Is there some story behind that musically? I think it was the ocean. I think for me, I was ready for it. And I think maybe the reason why I stayed away from brass was because it can be a little not sensual or not detail-oriented enough. It can be a little brassy, <laughs> with a lack of a better description. Mm -hmm. But then I was ready to face the challenge and make it into something more sensual, like on pneumonia, where it's more like French horns and it's more like cream, and where you are singing something almost like a blues song on it, which I thought was another of my strange musical jokes. Because the way we know brass bands in Iceland is the last thing in the world you're thinking is melancholia or, or deep emotions. You're just thinking the day of independence and kids with flags and balloons. Also on the other songs, I think as much as I wanted to try to find the sensual world and deeply emotional world of brass, I also wanted to use it for what it is most used for, which is activism. I actually think the Volta, the album, really came to full fruition life. All the songwriting on this album and the lyrics and everything were kind of designed to do a tour with 10 brass girls and flags and to be bombastic. You know, like when I did Homogenic, that was for smaller clubs. When I did Vespertina, it was for opera houses. Medulla, I didn't want to perform live. 
So this was like, okay, we're gonna do festivals. Like, I'd never ever done that. It was like huge tribal beats, a lot of flags. So it was very, that spirit of blowing the war horn before huge battles. And it's like, okay, let's do this, you know. I was at Mufias, none at all. And then when I had some, to my surprise, I grew to like bones, scared of break without them. Such real love, fear. So I never, I needed the thrill of fear. No great Joy with courage when I was rushed, untouchable, innocence roared, still in pieces when I was rushed, innocent, it's still here, but in different places. Sonic Symbolism is a co production of MailChimp Presents, Talkhouse, and Björk and was made by Björk Otni Eir, Ásmundur Jónsson, Anna Gida, Ian Wheeler, Julie Douglas, and Christian Kunz. It was produced by Christian Kunz and edited by Christian Kunz and Anna Gida. Special thanks to Derek Burkett, Catherine Verna Bentley, Sack McNeese, Ivar Kjartansson, Bergur Thórisson, and Duna Stein and Thorgeisdóttir. Music appears by courtesy of One Little Independent Records.